Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. All right, I got a lot to share with you this afternoon. This morning, I gave you basically the basis that you have a choice between choosing Bible morality or secular morality. And what I'm going to give you this afternoon are the facts that prove my case that Bible morality is better than secular morality. It's Bible morality that has held to the tradition that, that marriage is, is a union between one man and one woman for life. And it is secular morality that gives rise to the idea that, no, we can make it be whatever we want it to be. We can make it, you know, same-sex marriage. We can make it cohabitation. We can make it whatever we want to. So I got a lot of information to share with you this afternoon. I'm going to go through it quickly. I don't want to keep you long. We'll just go fast, so you're going to have to listen fast and listen attentively. You know, when I had a pastor recently. He was intrigued by the fact that we now have an afternoon service on Sunday rather than an evening service. In fact, a lot of preachers that I talk to are intrigued by that. And some of them have actually um, made the change. And they say, well, we can see the positive. What's the negative? I said, about the only negative that I can share that, that about the afternoon service instead of the evening service is you're preaching to people right after they eat. That's the one negative. And I heard a preacher this week talk about that. And he says, when you speak to an audience after they eat, that's the art of talking in someone else's sleep. <laughs> Some people talk in their sleep. When you preach to a group after they've eaten, that's the art of talking in their sleep. Well, anyway, let's look at another um, Bible principle about marriage. Hebrews thirteen four. It says that marriage is honorable in all. And the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. In other words, we see right there that it matters. It matters whether you buy into a marriage from a Bible perspective, or as the whoremongers and the adulterers do, in a, in a secular morality. It, it, it has consequences. It has consequences. Now let's, let's break this verse down real quick. It says, first of all, marriage is honorable in all. One writer says, let this state be highly esteemed as one of God's own instituting and is highly calculated to produce the best interests of mankind. God gave us marriage because it is in society's best interest. And then it says, and the bed undefiled, and John MacArthur says, sexual activity in marriage is pure. That's what it's saying. But then it contrasts that with those who would see it differently. No, we can do it our way. But whoremongers and adulterers, those who want to do it their way, it says God will judge. And again, he says God prescribes serious consequences for sexual immorality. Well, this afternoon, let's look real quick and examine the facts. Okay? We go out into the laboratory of life. We can look at same-sex marriages now. We can look at people who cohabitate. And we can look at traditional marriage. When I talk about traditional marriage... You know, marriage based on Bible principles. We can look at them, and we can see the results. And the results are obvious. Let's begin this afternoon looking at the facts about same-sex marriage. 
It's been around for a little while now. We can examine that objectively and see whether it results in good consequences or bad consequences. And we'll start with this quote. The debate over same-sex marriage is not fundamentally a disagreement about who can get married, but but about what marriage is. Is marriage an arbitrary custom that people invented? One which they can define however they please? Or is marriage an institution established by God, well-matched to his design of human beings? Well, we know the answer to that. Marriage is not man's invention, and for man to tinker with as he sees fit. Marriage is very much God's invention, and he sets the rules. Now, let's look at three things about same-sex marriage. Number one, here's the problem. Same-sex marriage debases debases true marriage and thereby weakens society. It debases true marriage. A lot of quotes here that I'm sharing with you. If we abandon the Bible's teaching on marriage and just make up new definitions as we go, then why couldn't marriage be redefined in other ways? Why couldn't it be more than two people, for example? Why couldn't it be a temporary rather than a lifelong commitment? And do you know we have already started down that road? I mean, I I, I saw, I think it was the Philippines, and this was legit, that three guys wanted to marry three. See, you don't know where this is going to go, and you don't know the consequences. Listen to this next quote. This This is telling. There's a logical, slippery slope from same-sex marriage to polygamy, temporary marriages, and other corrupt practices. Because the same wrong thinking underlies, which is secular morality, these ideas. That people, rather than the Creator, have the authority to decide what marriage is. So when you give up the idea that morality comes to you from God, he tells you what's right, he tells you what's wrong, when it comes internally from from man, you don't know where it's going to go. You don't know where it's going to lead. And then lastly, sadly, once the definition of marriage is separated from the Creator's design, it becomes so flexible that it begins to lose any significant meaning. Indeed, many homosexual activists have admitted that their real goal is to destroy the institution of marriage altogether. You understand that? I, personal opinion, I believe the vast majority of people who get same-sex, who are married of the same sex, they don't care about marriage. I mean, they were living together, they've had multiple partners, all that kind of stuff. Many of them have one goal, to destroy marriage. Because of what I claim, that marriage is of God. And if you destroy marriage, you destroy God. If you destroy God, you destroy marriage. And they want nothing to do with God. Just like Lucifer. They're on the same page with Lucifer. So understand that. Same-sex marriage, some people, some Christians are naive enough to think, let them do what they want to do. Pastor, don't call it sin. Leave it alone. You're just going to embarrass us. You're just a rabble-rouser and what have you. No, folks, it has consequences that are going to affect me, you, and our children and our grandchildren. Speaking of which brings us to point number two. 
Same-sex marriage harms children. Same-sex parenting would deny children the ability to have a parent of each gender, both mom and dad. Folks, last I heard, it took a man and a woman to make a baby. And for that reason, God said, you guys ought to be committed for life for making that baby. Because you both made the baby, you both need to raise the baby, and both of you bring things into that baby's life that will help that baby be a better person. You know, I've, you, you, you've heard the illustrations before, how a mom and dad give balance in raising a child. A young couple brings their five-year-old to the park, and there's the monkey bars. And, of course, he's wanting to climb on the monkey bars. And dad is saying, you can do it. And mom gives the balance. Be safe. It's a shame if one of those influences is missing from any child's life for any reason. And in same-sex marriage, it's inevitable that that's going to be missing. And they miss out on that balance. Understand this next point. This isn't good because men and women parent differently. They bring different strengths and weaknesses to the table. So children learn different lessons from mom than they do from dad and vice versa. And then this next point, rearing children in even a loving homosexual environment. But they're loving. They love the child. Those two women, those two men, is using the children as pawns in a social engineering experiment without regard for the long-term psychological and emotional effects on them. Just an observation. Shoot me if you want to. No, don't do that. But just just an observation. A a lot of these same-sex people... They have issues. And you're not going to hear it because the, 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 the uh, media is, is definitely biased. They're, they're definitely liberal. There's no question about it. No, not a question about it. So you're not going to hear it. They're going to bury it. They don't want to talk facts. They want to talk feelings. So there's real issues there, serious issues there. And then number three, maybe this is one you haven't thought about. If you're here and you're so open-minded, oh, let them alone, pastor. Let them do their thing. They're not hurting anybody. You could not be more wrong. They're not hurting anybody. Let's look at point number three. Same-sex marriage undermines religious freedom. Say, how can that be? Well, let's just do something novel. Let's think about it. <laughs> just, just think about it for a second. Let's put down our video games. Let's quit worrying about... You know, whatever. Religious adoption agencies are being forced to close if they will not place children in the same-sex households. Am I right about that? Do I need to read it again? Religious adoption agencies are being forced to close if they will not place children in the same-sex households. That's denying religious freedom. And they don't care one whit as long as they win because all they know is not compassion, love, generosity, and, and understanding. All they know is power. The lost world only knows power. Study Frederick Nietzsche. I watched that video this morning of him, that documentary of him this morning. He said that's what life is ultimately all about, power. Guess who he, he, he influenced Hitler? Guess who influenced him? Charles Darwin. Okay? It all goes together and it all ends up ugly. Next, Christian schools are being threatened with loss of funding and accreditation if they do not allow their students to actively engage in homosexual practices. 
Next, professionals in the wedding industry and even pizza shops are being forced to participate in same-sex ceremonies or face financial ruin. Next, clearly gay marriage advocates want more than the freedom to do as they please. The movement includes many bullies who want to force everyone to either join them or be destroyed. Is that true? We've got to get serious, folks. It's going to change the world you and I know in ways we cannot imagine. Am, am I afraid? No. In fact, I'm fired up. I mean, that, that's the reason I'm doing my homework. That's the reason I'm studying. I, I, want, the, I want the facts. I, I want to know the truth about history. I mean, I, I've been amazed with what I've learned in the, last, in the last couple of months. And I told Sharon just the other day, I said, it, it's coming in the fo- I have felt it for years. I know something's wrong. I know this is headed in the wrong direction. But I've taken the time to equip myself with the knowledge that I can hopefully begin explaining it to you so it can motivate you and keep you on the right path because the influence around us is almost overwhelming. I mean, all the media, whether it's movies, TV, news, cable, whatever it is, social media... It's all pushing us in, in, in the direction of secular morality. And there's there's got to be some preachers in this country, and there's got to be some lay people in this country who will say, no, we're not going there. You, you, you can laugh at us. You can mock us. You can put us down. We may lose our job. Things may get hard for a time, but we're not going there. So under, understand that same-sex marriage, so many harmful things can occur to the couple, to the children, and to society. It is, it's undeniable. It is factual what I've shared with you. Then secondly, let's look at the facts about cohabitation. Two people living together. <clears throat> what accounts for the ph- phenomenal increase in cohabitation? The sexual revolution has destigmatized extramarital sex, and high divorce rates have fueled skepticism about marriage. By the way, I really believe it's part of Satan's plan. A lot of us in this room lived through the 60s, right? The sexual revolution, free love, uh, Woodstock, and all that kind of stuff. Folks, all of that, I believe, is part of Satan's plan to undermine faith in God. It's a sinister plot of Satan to undermine faith in God. And it's it's a sexual revolution. Uh, the, The liberals couldn't be happier with it because it... It, it harms their enemy. And that's us, and that's Jesus Christ. It says, today young people increasingly think of cohabitation as a no-strings-attached way to assess the compatibility of a potential mate. In a recent survey, over 60% of high school seniors agreed that cohabitation is a good way to find out how a couple get along before marriage. And I know a lot of liberal Christians that would say, well, we're not going to confront them. We're not going to call it sin. We don't want to be judgmental. And they have no idea, number one, what they're saying, or number two, where that's going to lead. Number one, cohabitating couples have a higher divorce rate. Does that come as a surprise to any of you? They, they get together and their excuse is, well, if we live together, we will see if we're compatible, and that will prevent divorce. No, 40% of all couples who live together will break up before marriage. And here they've given their purity to each other. They've given that, that which is most personal to another person. 
and that didn't work out, so now they're going to find a good Christian? How's that going to work for you? Many suffer from what has been termed premarital divorce. They live together and they separate before they're ever married. Premarital divorce. So listen to this. So of 100 couples who begin a trial marriage or cohabitation, 40 don't marry. Of the 60 couples who do wed, there are 45 divorces over 10 years. That's an 85% failure rate. The idea that it's a good thing because it'll keep us together, we'll see that we're compatible, nothing could be further from the truth and the facts bear that out. Number two, cohabitation destroys the foundation of marriage. Most engaged couples think that the road to a happy marriage is compatibility. So living together puts the couple into a mock marriage situation to discover how compatible they are. Read on. But marriage is not based on compatibility. A long, loving marriage is based on commitment. I mean, Sharon and I wouldn't be here today as a couple if it was based on compatibility. (laughs) But thankfully, there was a commitment there. We both knew when we stood at that altar at Central Baptist Church, 5050 Greenville Street, Baton Rouge, Louisiana... We both had the understanding going into it, this is for life. And I am so thankful for that. I mean, if it wasn't for that commitment, we wouldn't be together today. There were things along the way that uh, would pull us apart or try to to pull us apart. It says, compatibility may bring you together, but commitment will keep you together. And I think there's couples in this room that can testify to that. And then number three... Cohabitation can be a toxic environment for all concerned. These are all facts, folks. You can check them out for yourself, okay? Compared with married couples, cohabitating couples report lower levels of happiness. They're not happier. Married couples are happier. Next, annual rates of depression among cohabitors are more than three times higher than among married couples. You say, well, marriage can be tough. Well, yeah, it can be hard. So we're thankful for the commitment. Uh, But among cohabitating people, it's more complex than that. There's not that commitment. You're you're living on edge. You're living in tension. Is he going to go? Is she going to go? Who's he with? Who's, Who's she with? It's a miserable life. Miserable life. Next, by almost every measure, married couples are better off than cohabitors. On average, they live longer, have better physical and mental health, and are more productive in the labor force. And then lastly, under cohabitation, female cohabitors are victims of domestic violence far more often than married women. And children in unmarried households are at much greater risk for physical and sexual abuse than those in intact families. The facts overwhelmingly support my contention that Bible morality blesses people and blesses society and secular morality, man-made morality that says we can make it up as we go, we can decide what we like and what we want. It is fraught with problems. 
And then you ask the obvious question, well, why don't they come over to our side? Because they don't want to. They, they would rather suffer the pain of what they are suffering through than yield to God. They just don't want to yield to God. That shows the arrogance of man. I mean, think about it. There were, there were people in Bible times that saw Jesus do miracles, and they still wouldn't believe. It shows you the hardness of man's heart. And those are the people that are coming into control? That's a scary thought. Well, what about the facts about traditional biblical marriages? Three things. Number one, it's safer. Marriage lowers the risk that both men and women will become victims of violence, including domestic violence. Single and divorced women were four to five times more likely to be victims of violence in any given year than wives. Number two, very simply, you won't go bonkers. Now, some married people may want to argue with that, but the truth is you won't go bonkers. Marriage is good for your mental health. Married men and women are less depressed, less anxious, and less psychologically distressed. You know, I, I thank God for my wife. I, I, I thank God that she committed to me back a lot of years ago. <laughs> About 44, four, 44, 44 years ago. <laughs> but I, good guess. <laughs> um. She's been there for me. She's been there for me recently. She'll be there for me in the future. And I, I want to believe that I've been there for her. And, and it's never been an issue of, well, will, will she leave? She's thought about it. <laughs> but we, we just have that commitment. It, it's better. It, it's, just, it's just better. And, and number three, believe it or not, it will make you happy. For most people, the joys of the single life and of divorce are overrated. Overall, 40% of married married people, compared with about a quarter of singles or cohabitors, say they are very happy with life in general. Married people are also about half as likely as singles or cohabitors to say they are unhappy with their lives. So, talk to people that are in a traditional marriage. As a rule, more of them are going to be happy than those people that are not. Which then brings us to our conclusion. And I'm not even sure, I don't remember who I'm quoting here, but this is good stuff as we close. As we Christians struggle to uphold one man, one woman marriage, the trends are not in our favor. And it's true, things are trending the wrong way right now. Does that mean that we should shrink back and admit that marriage is a lost cause? On the contrary, I think our witness to the beauty and goodness of true marriage becomes all the more important. It will be up to us to show a fraying culture that marriage is so much more than just a piece of paper or an association of any two persons who love each other. It is a sacred union of a man and a woman that confers, that confers myriad benefits on the spouse, spouses, their children, and society at large. Benefits that cannot be replicated by any other relationship. 
Folks, we are in the midst of a cultural civil war. God has allowed Glenn McMorris, Sharon McMorris, Jeremy, Aaron, and Matthew to be living at this time. He is looking to us to hold the banner high. He's allowed you to be alive at this time in history. It's not catching him uh, in any surprise that you know things are trending the way they are trending. But now is our opportunity to shine. And it doesn't take rocket science. It's just a matter of us keeping our hearts right with God when we mess up, confessing our sins, asking him to forgive us. It's a matter of us being in our Bibles daily. It's a matter of us being in church when the doors are open. It's a matter of us seeing a need at church and then taking the lead. It's a matter of being involved and doing your job, whether it's singing in the choir, teaching Sunday school, to the best of your ability. It's just a matter of us being good Christians. It's just a matter of us being salt and light. This is not the time to be afraid. This is not the time to be depressed. This is a time for resolve. This is a time for us to do our homework and to study. As your pastor, I am doing that. I've never read so much, studied so much, watched so many documentaries, because I want to get it right. God has entrusted me with the leadership of this church for this time. God has entrusted you with membership in this church for this time. He's very much aware of the cultural war that is going on. This is a time for us to watch. This is a time for us to pray. This is a time for us to be involved, to encourage one another, and to be excited about what God can do through us at Myo Baptist Church and what God can do through us, through our missionaries located around the world. So, uh, don't be discouraged, don't be depressed, don't be filled with anxiety. Come to church, be excited, give, work, do what you can do, witness to people, invite people to church, and we just might see a revival right here at My Old Baptist Church. We just might influence Northeast Michigan as you cannot imagine. We need not be depressed, we, not, we don't need to be thinking small, we need to be thinking big. And, and I think if we will be bold... But we will also be loving. I think a lost and dying world might see something here and decide, you know what? I need to check that out. We need what those people have. And we have individuals and young people and teenagers and young couples and older people. We could start seeing this room being filled to overflowing and see God do a wonderful thing here and hopefully the same thing in Lodi, Wisconsin, and the same thing down in Dalhart, Texas, and out in California with Tom, and Missouri with Brian, and mid-Michigan there with uh, John Flanders. We need to think big, we need to think positively, and we need to walk close with God. That's our job. That's our commission. We need to embrace it, and we need to be excited about it. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Myo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.